What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. My name is Brett McGrath. I'm your host. I collect sports cards, and I have a podcast about collecting sports cards. And if you're listening to this thing, you probably dig sports cards, too. Is it cold where you're living? I woke up this morning, negative two on the Weather Channel app. There you go, Weather Channel folks. That unofficial sponsorship is coming in. We have a lot of unofficial sponsors today, I think. I got to check the agenda uh, or the format of today's show and the fine producers at the Stacking Slabs podcast and this whole team around me driving this brand forward. I really appreciate that. And that includes you too. But I put on my stuff and I was getting ready to go run and I checked the app and I was like, this is way too cold for me. Maybe in an earlier stage of my life, I would have got out there, uh, but I just couldn't do it, especially after watching that football game. As I recorded this last night, I saw the Chiefs and the Dolphins and damn, did it look cold. And those people out there um, in Arrowhead, it's you, you guys are maniacs. You're wild. And all I kept thinking about as I'm watching that is how thankful I am to be a softy and have an indoor stadium with a roof that can close. It's cold out there. I want to thank, just the timing is right. We want to thank our fine people unofficially at Hot Hands, keeping your hands nice and toasty when it's freezing outside and your eyes feel like they're about to be completely frozen and your hands, you can't feel your fingers anymore, you get out the hot hands and you shake that thing up, put it on your hands, get nice and warm. Uh, you can They got the toe product too. Put it in your shoes, get them toes warm. You know what I mean? So thank you, hot hands. They've got a great division and a great leadership team that is driving their product forward and partnering with Sports cards, brands, and brands alike like the Stacking Slabs podcast. So next time you're about to freeze your ass off outside, grab the hot hands. We have been inside at the crib because it's so damn cold outside. It's been a lot of Gabby's dollhouse going on loop. Do you have a daughter? Do you have a young daughter in... Do you give her a little bit of time to stream some television? Is she into Gabby's dollhouse? That is the front runner in my life, in my house. I know all the Gabby bits. I know all the Gabby gimmicks. DJ Catnip throwing it down. Shout out to my daughter's favorite character, Cat Rat. But yeah, whenever I'm not not watching sports or professional wrestling, you better believe Gabby's dollhouse is on the television and it is an end of an era i can't believe what happened this past week in sports and we don't talk about these guys too often but how about these coaches end of an era nick saban departing alabama what a coach the greatest college football coach of all time bill belichick end of an era new england out pete carroll end of an era seattle All of them have their replacements except for Seattle. Maybe that replacement will be filled by the time this podcast goes live. I saw something on the World Wide Web that made me laugh. There was a reference to all three of those coaches being done, and the image that was shown was from WrestleMania 28 after The Undertaker, Triple H, Hell in a Cell, with Shawn Michaels there as the ref. All of them standing at the ramp, looking like completely disheveled, old, and 
like they've beaten the complete hell out of each other. And they were referencing that those were what the coaches uh, were at this point. And I just thought that was funny. I love professional wrestling. I love how it gets integrated with everything or you can integrate it with everything. And, you know, no Gabby. Sports are off. I'm probably watching some wrestling. I think the playoffs, the NFL, even though my squad isn't involved, is my favorite time of the year. You get consumed by storylines. C.J. Stroud, he's really good. I had fun watching him last night. But there's also this mode where you get integrated and involved in your offseason if your team is not playing. There is always something happening that impacts your team. Coaching search, GM search, free agency, draft, playoffs, OTAs. It's a year-round thing, and that's why... I deeply love the NFL. And I was thinking about this, especially as I was watching the Texans-Browns game. I was just thinking about, you know, C.J. Stroud being a young quarterback, winning a first playoff game, going into next week, and just also thinking about how the prison product, I know I talked a lot about it last week, but how the prison product just dropped. And maybe they've got something here. Maybe it's all about dropping your product at the end of the season and not at the beginning of the season. And not necessarily so you can catch lightning on a bottle like a C.J. Stroud. I wouldn't dare. I I reported on some of his prices this past week, but knowing how the hobby hobbies, I would not dare to say what a C.J. Stroud numbered card out of Prism is going for this week. It's got to be nuts. But I think... While you have a C.J. Stroud on the field doing amazing things and you've got an Anthony Richardson who's exciting and on ice and you've got Bryce Young who didn't have a great year. However, they're going to change everything around him again and so that gives potential. Maybe that's the strategy is you just wait and drop the product at the end of the year because we all know what happens. The prices, the excitement, all of this stuff builds for these players and you give a whole offseason to do it, and then what happens right before the season? People are selling their cards. And I don't know. I just thought that was interesting, and obviously probably not intentional by uh, the fine folks at Panini, but it's just with the way the cookie crumbled based on the state. But I'm evaluating a flagship product like Prism dropping at the time it dropped right before the playoffs, and while having a player and a rookie who is not only involved in the playoffs, but has won a game and just evaluating that and what's happening on the market side of the house. And speaking about market side of the house, I know I don't talk a lot about it, and I know I talk mostly about collecting sports cards, but I wanted to, I was digging around in Card Ladder, and I want to close this show out by giving a little bit of an update just based on some observations. And most of these observations are to help us as collectors think about how we approach timing and buying certain cards. And the more I dug into the data, all I kept thinking about was, man, if people just took time to dig into the data, maybe a lot of these narratives that aren't true, they're false that people spew across our digital channels could be put to bed. So what I want to do is maybe uh, bust some myths, maybe just share a little information that's data-driven. Some people are afraid of data. Some people don't like it. Some people don't think data tells 
uh, a story. Some people don't look at data or trust data. Some people just think that that person who's got a big follower account, they must be the one who knows it all because they've got a bunch of people who don't even engage in their posts following them. And that's right. And we're not here to save anybody here on the Stacking Slabs podcast. In fact, we're just here to share some information. This past week has been a little bit of a check. A lot of bit of a challenging week for me personally and professionally. I've talked about this a lot. I work in the technology space. I work in startups. It is not easy. It's not easy to do anything. It's not easy to sell. It's not easy to fundraise. And it all comes from the top VCs are tightening their belts and the money's not coming down. Um, So I've been worth the same startup for the last three years in the runway of the company surviving and existing was coming to an end. It's cutting, it's being cut short. And with that in the current state impacts me professionally. And so at the end of this past week, I had a really good conversation with our CEO, who I consider a a really good friend about the state of everything. And with that, for the first time in my career, I am a free agent. I am a free agent. And I know it's tough. I poured my heart, soul, and energy into this business. But sometimes these undeniable super forces that are happening in the economy and happening around you uh, take over. And instead of, you know, putting my head down, trying to sulk and point fingers and say, what if I am actually feeling optimistic and very excited, excited because I'd never been in this position before. I've never been in this position in my entire career where I've had this period of time where I can decide, you know what, dude, what do you want to do next? So I feel fortunate for the experience. I feel fortunate for my current state. I'll also say I feel fortunate for severance packages. Those are nice. Keeping you afloat for a little bit. Uh, But I've been having these thoughts. It's, you know... I've spent my whole career in tech. Do I want to stay in tech? Do I want to do the startup thing again? Do I want to consult? Do I want to work for a bigger company? Do I want to contribute to helping a brand build and create content and win new customers and retain new customers in the hobby? That's a thought. That's an option, an opportunity. I've spent this last four years in this space obsessing over my own passion and hobby and evaluating the landscape and looking how consumers do things. I spent a lot of time doing that while collecting cards and building out a damn fine collection myself. Do I want to go all in and do more with the Stacking Slabs podcast? I know I've talked a lot about it, but I've never had the time to do that. Do I want to do a combination of some or all of these things? Losing your job sucks, everybody. It sucks. And I'm sure some of you out there have dealt with that over the past year or so based on the conditions but it affords you the opportunity to look at a world from a fresh perspective. Anyone else who is going through something similar to this, I just want to say, because I've had, uh, my amazing wife has been there for me. It's going to be okay. It's just a job. Just keep your heads up. The DMs are open, but I am in evaluation mode. I'm trying to figure out what's next. And if you're someone out there and you think, you know what? I listened to this guy. I think he might know a thing or two about marketing, about building brand, about building content or whatever it is. And there might be an interesting conversation ahead. 
just hit me up. The one thing I know is true, I'll continue to create sports card content right here on the Stacking Slabs podcast because I love it. And I want to shout out to my man, Andrew, at Cards and Sneaks. Did you listen to Friday's episode on Fabric of the Game? Coming in hot. That was an episode that a lot of passionate collectors shared their cards while also giving me feedback. I have game-worn stuff, but I wouldn't consider myself a patch collector. And that's why I love learning about these sets. I love learning about these products. I love learning about the lineage and where all of these things fit in. And I think Fabric of the Game is a set that is beloved by patch collectors. And I love being able to bring on fresh perspective from new characters that are being unlocked, like Andrew at Cards and Sneaks. So thank you, Andrew. And thank you, everybody, for listening to that episode. And part of what I like to do around here is continue to build momentum and continue to share stories from collectors about things like patches, game-worn, none of that player-worn stuff around here, or maybe a little bit about the player-worn, but none of that unworn stuff. And so that's why we're keeping the patch train going this week. And we are going to be hitting another game-worn patch set that I would say when I think about, in my mind, when I think about patch sets, in my mind, I think about fabric of the game from the past, mostly, but then I think about flawless patches in the modern day. And I'm thinking more specifically starting kind of in the 2014 era, where you have flawless game-worn football patches in those cards, which kick ass. Beautiful design. I love how elegant they look. I love the big patch windows. I love the autographs. I think this is an important product, and I know there's a lot of people out there that like flawless. So I'm trying to, whenever I do these, what I want to do is bring on someone who I know has a stake in it a little bit by being someone who owns these cards and then also having knowledge around product. And so that's why, and he had not been on, and I couldn't even tell you the last time. It's been a while. It's been a while as Aaron Lewis from Stain said. I don't know why that just hit me. Thinking about that, I'm just having nostalgia. I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about I know Stained, this is like some high school shit right here. I know Stained uh, put It's Been a While on Break the Cycle, that Stained record. But then there was that also that acoustic performance of Aaron Lewis and It's Been a While with Fred Dursass sitting next to him. And he's just sitting there and he's just like, yeah, it's the real life shit we're talking about. And Aaron Lewis is sitting there just like pouring his heart out. And singing the song, which I'll tell you what, like it is maybe a couple months ago, I put on that track. It's been a while. And I'm like, this song kind of holds up. Like it's kind of a good song. It's kind of well written. So I don't know. It's been a while since my friend Kevin Randall um, has drank a captain on the Stacking Slabs podcast. So the Captain 37 is coming on this Friday to talk about Flawless. What do you guys want to talk about today, huh? Have we talked about enough? Is there still, do you want to close out the show? Should I be done? Are you done listening to me? Uh, Done listening to my personal updates and Gabby's dollhouse stuff and uh, why they should drop Prism 
at the end of the season every year? Should we close it up? I don't think so. I'm not done yet, everybody. I need a creative project right now. I need to be able to share what I'm thinking and what's on my mind. This is therapy, baby. This is therapy. But what I wanted to say, and I led with this at the top, is what is the health of the hobby, really? What is the health of the hobby, really? And, you know, I like to, when, when, it, when stuff is topical and stuff is relevant, why not talk about it a little bit? And as I'm recording this, I just opened up my Instagram feed here, and looks like we, we had a whole auction uh, last night end on the golden side of the house for that Tom Brady super, 158600 How about that? Is that too low? Is that too much? What do you think? I don't really know. I just thought the whole thing was a gimmick. It's a gimmick, right? We're just going to pass that hot potato around for a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it becomes the most iconic sports card in the history of the world. And somebody got it for a great price. I don't know. But what is the health of the hobby, really, when we're shedding layers of gimmicks and just looking at things straightforward? You hear the hobby is alive. You hear the hobby is dead. And mostly this is coming from the mainstream narrative backed by feeling and not data. Democratization of data is how we should be thinking about our hobby, in my opinion. More data, the better. Let's share it. Let's get comfortable talking about it. We don't need to overwhelm. But I think the more we can educate ourselves on the data side of the house, it helps impact our buying and selling habits. So inevitably, that becomes very, very important. And we don't need to talk about it from an investment perspective but we just need to understand data and trends. And maybe you don't need to understand it, but I need to understand it. I need to know, and this is my maturation as a collector, I need to know what's happening on the market side. When's a good time to buy? When should I dig in? When should I spend this type of money? And I just need to be better better educated. So that's why I think in Channels and shows like this, talking data is probably a good thing. And it's good to not, you don't need to be an expert, but to have a general knowledge of marketplace sales is important. We've got the tools to do it, right? We have the tools to do it. And we just need to pull the data out sometimes and have conversations. So we all know this because I'm a big fan of the car, of Card Ladder and the Card Ladder team, but Card Ladder is the tool that I use. Um, and one of the pieces, from Card Ladder that I really like is the industry view. And I like the industry view because I think it gives you the opportunity to slice and dice different data sets and dig into what is really happening. And you open up the app and it says industry view. This is what it says, like in their little description. The industry industry view gives you a high-level overview of the secondary market health with in-depth data around sales volume. The volume graphs show in total dollar amount spent for the given timeline, daily or monthly, and the sales counts graphs show how many unique sales occurred. Verified volume describes how much volume was verified by the card ladder team. And so I share that with you to give you some context because I talked about slicing and dicing and I talk about this industry view, but that gives you the what behind what, like what the tool and the what behind what I'm going to share. Think about 
all the places where we buy our cards. You got private sales direct one-to-one, which is my preferred channel and probably yours too, but that's not always the case. You got eBay, PWCC, Golden, Heritage, Memory Lane, REA, which I'm bringing that one up and that wasn't in the notes before, but because of data I'm going to share, I'm sharing it. So we have all of these options and opportunities to buy all these cards across all of these different channels. So stuff is always being sold and always happening. And we necessarily don't track each of those sales, nor are we probably interested in tracking each of those sales. And that's why I did Card Ladder, because it makes it easy for me to keep afloat on that. So we're going back to the narrative. Hobby is alive. Hobby is dead. Why don't we do some comparative analysis in order to track which is true or is, is it maybe a combination of both? I found this interesting. I found it interesting to look at the monthly sales data from December 2023 and then compare it to the data from December 2022. I found this interesting. and I, This is something that I thought was relevant enough to talk about on this show. So let me get my data straight, okay? There were 1,628,222 sales recorded by Card Ladder for a grand total of roughly $175 million. This comes out to about $107 a transaction. December 2023, this year, $2 million, $2,010,836. Sales for 190 million. So you have more sales happening in December of 2023 than December 22. And you have more revenue coming in in December 2023 from December 2022. So $107 a transaction this year, $94 a transaction. When I looked at December, I looked at what were in these two two months, two, a year apart, what were the lowest sale days and what were the highest sales days? So in December of 2022, the lowest sales day was Christmas Eve, $1.4 million in cards sold. And the highest was on the 4th, which was $18 million sold. Now this year, the lowest was on Christmas Eve, Again, $3 million, the highest, $27 million. So there, this year, on the 3rd, there was a, daily, a, a day where $27 million in sports cards were sold and recorded via card ladder. So you can see this year compared to last year, the low day is higher in December and the high day is higher. So I found that interesting. I found that a little interesting that if you look at December 2022, the highest day was 18 million and this year was 27 million. So, some of the things that it's got me thinking about. Number 1, I don't think 2021 data, we're talking 2023, 2022, 2021 data I think is an outlier and it's got to be thrown out just based on what happened. The heavy manipulation, it was a snowball impact by a bunch of manipulation. And I don't want to say idiots, but I kind of want to do. And it's probably data that will in trends that we'll probably likely never see again. It was parabolic for all the wrong reasons. I think what I noticed in this data set is the data is pretty strong. There's more 
more sales year over year, but lower dollar value for maybe each of those transactions. So it makes me think that people are still spending a lot of money on cards, but maybe people are buying more mid-tier cards as opposed to higher dollar value cards or cards that are being our products of the hype machine. And I say that ironically because I just talked about a Tom Brady Superfractor card that sold for $158,000 last night. The other thing I'll say is events matter. So in one of those, when I looked and dug into each of those data sets, on the highest days, there were always big auctions closing. And one of those was the, from REA, the 1914 Baltimore New Babe Ruth that sold for, I didn't put it in my notes, but I think 7 million. And then another auction that represented one of those days was Golden, which is when the 8081 Tops Larry Magic Dr. J PSA 10 sold for 488,000. So I think when you look at the data and you look at the trends, these events matter or these closes to these big auctions. The other thing that I that I took note of was there in the actual sales, the it seemed to me in 2023 that we're getting a lot smarter where I looked at the data and from the vantage point of like, I wonder when the first kind of prospect or younger player is going to show up. And this year, it wasn't until the 36th highest sale that I noticed uh, a young up and coming or unproven or just getting proven player. And that was the sale of the 2022 Flawless Purdy RPA for $80,000. That was 36, whereas opposed to last year, it was the second highest sale, which probably not the same category. Burrow's done much, but you it's the same era. The Burrow 2020 NT RPA PSA 10 out of 99 sold for 210,000, and that was the second highest sale in December in the day where the highest sale happened. It was ranked number two. So... I just look at stuff like this and it's got my mind racing a little bit. And I think at the end of the day, the one thing it can tell you is like people are still spending a lot of money and buying a lot of sports cards. And people are going to be saying things online a lot about the state of the hobby and what's currently happening. And I just, my recommendation is just go dig into the data, dig into the tool. And I think this industry, this industry feature from Card Ladder is a nice tool that gives me the ability to see what's happening and have somewhat of a pulse. And it's something that I don't necessarily hear a lot of collectors talk about. Are you buying cards this week? What are you doing? Are you making deals? Are they happening on the marketplaces? Are they happening in private sales? Wherever they be, I wish you the best of luck. My name's Brett McGrath. I host a podcast. It's called Stacking Slabs that you're listening to. And on Friday, I got my man, the captain, 37, talking about flawless. We'll be back and we'll talk to you soon. 